Hello and welcome to the School of Attraction podcast. I'm Damien Deeker and I'll be talking with you about a range of topics from dating, attraction, masculinity, sexuality, life philosophy, and much, much more. So without any further ado, let's get started. I hope you enjoy listening to today's podcast just as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Hey viewers, since I made a few videos a couple of months ago about me going into an open relationship with my long-term partner, I've had quite a few of you sort of reach out, message me and say, hey, can you talk more about open relationships? Is it working? What's working? How do I know if I should be in an open relationship? Uh, Would you do it again? Are you still in an open relationship? And so what I said to a lot of them was, give me a little while, let me be in this open relationship for a while and then I'll make a video about it. And I know a lot of guys, in fact, a lot of women too, are very curious about the open relationship thing, but they're very frightened and they're not sure what to expect and whether they are or are not well-suited for open relationships. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about some of the things you definitely need to have as in your character, in your personality, in your self-development, sorted, to make an open relationship work, where I see a lot of open relationships failing, and I do, I see most not working very well at all. In fact, I'm of the opinion that most couples shouldn't be in an open relationship yet. More on that. And lastly, I'm going to talk about some of the really... um, unexpected benefits that my partner and I have experienced being in an open relationship. And I think that these are some of the the benefits that don't get talked about very often, uh, but they're worth mentioning. So keep watching and I hope you learn something new. So I know I said this in in my intro, but it's true. I've been around a lot of couples now. I've met a lot of couples around the the traps um, in open relationships. And my opinion today is that most couples, even those who are in open relationships, shouldn't be. Most of them are doomed. And I think that that, this really leads me to to concern number one that a lot of guys should be aware of. If you're going to go into an open relationship, prepare to, to be faced with a whole bunch of criticism. You're going to see it in the comments below as well. Uh, first of all, two kinds of criticism. One is going to be people saying um, they'll, they'll, they will attack your manhood for being in an open relationship. Like a real man wouldn't let another man sleep with his partner. You're going to get a lot of that. Variations in that theme. The other thing you're going to get is a lot of people are going to start saying, oh, I know, I know so many couples who've tried open relationships and they've all failed. They've all fallen to pieces. You'll get that as well. Uh you need to be okay with that. You need to be fine with, with hearing this being thrown at you because everyone's got an opinion on it. The reason everyone's got an opinion on it is because it's such an emotionally charged topic, right? It gets to the really core of deep root of who we are. And if you've got religious friends, whoa, watch out. And the truth is that I don't think most couples are cut out for it. And so it's true. I think most people, when they think of couples they've known who are in open relationships, they fell apart. They failed. And the reason is that most people get into open relationships for the wrong reasons. And so I'm going to talk about some of these reasons, some of these things that really cause couples to fail in open relationships and what you need to make sure that you got sorted. So my second point is this. A lot of couples, a lot of people, like a lot of you watching, I'm sure, are interested in open relationships. And what people want to do is they want to jump in and get the fun stuff. That is, hey, sex with lots of different people without doing the self-development work first that's required. So you need to be in a space in your own self-development to make an open relationship really work. Not just you as a person, but you guys as a couple both need to be in the right space. So what kinds of things, what are the pitfalls that a lot of people need to be aware of? The first one I'm going to get out of the way because it's almost a cliche is your communication ability as a couple. 
So most couples are horrendous at communicating. Uh, what does a horrend being horrendous at communicating look like? Well, it looks like uh, if one per like have you ever had this experience? Most of you watching are guys, so your female partner gets upset and she's annoyed, but you can't kind of work out what she's annoyed at, right? It's like I, I, you never take the rubbish out, and 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 why is the dog chewing on the carpet? And it's all your fault. And it's like this weird kind of um, spewing of annoyance without any real kind of focus of what it exactly is. Now, we all do this from time to time, but if your partner or you, and a lot of people are guilty of this, men and women, are not really capable of taking a step back and saying, wait up, why am I annoyed? This is why I'm annoyed. And communicating that, not just communicating why you're annoyed, what you want. See, other people, sometimes what people do is they get annoyed at their partner and they just want to just bitch at their partner, just have a whole bitch and moan. But what they need to actually do, what a huge part of communication is, this is why I'm pissed at you. I'm pissed at you. This is how I, this is what I need. I need this to change. I need this to change. And this is how it will be fixed. And that can then become a dialogue because sometimes what you want is not going to work for the other person and their needs and it becomes a conversation. Most couples are not so great at this. Most people haven't learned the skill, this ability to say, I'm emotional. Why am I emotional? What do I want as a solution that seems fair for both of us? Let's talk about it. Most people are not good at that step in relationships. Um, now, as you can imagine, if you're in an open relationship, emotions are, are always going to run higher in an open relationship, right? There's more perceived danger and more perceived threat, especially in the early days when you're getting into it. And if you both can't uh, clearly communicate what's bothering you, if something's bothering you, and have a conversation about it from an adult space, it will fall apart. And this is, we see this, I see this a lot. My partner and I see it a lot of couples. That's number one. Number two is if both of you, again, are not able to step back from the brink of a fight. So every couple is capable of getting into big fights. Uh, my partner and I, neither of us are overly agreeable. And this is important too. You've got to be stepping back from a, a, a fight for the right reasons. It can't be because someone's scared of conflict. That would be a very unhealthy reason to step back from a fight. Uh, but my other of my partner and I will, will put up with crap from each other for very long. So we're always on a bit able to have a fight if we want to. But what we've learned to get very good at is this situation's escalating. Almost always one of us is capable of saying to the other person, this is escalating into a fight. Let's step back and talk again in an hour or two. And for some couples, that is really easy to accomplish. But for other couples, like myself and my partner in our early days, it was like, no, don't you walk away from this. I want to deal with this right now, right? This kind of has, it's like, because we're all emotionally charged. You want to sort this out right now and have it out. That's a really unhealthy space to, to problem solve. And it generally, you all you do is create more resentments and more anger at each other. Being able to step back and wait an hour or two and talk again is really powerful. So my partner and I very rarely ever have big fights. We, we get annoyed at each other. We take a step back and then we reconvene and, and we talk and say, say in our minds have prevailed. This is an incredibly useful skill set, again, because open relationships at times can create difficulties. And if all you're going to do is fight about it, it's going to suck all the fun out of it and your relationship's going to be in danger. The next thing you've got to be careful of is you need to make sure that in your relationship, there's a large amount of safety and security present. Now, I know that some people are not very good at creating safety and security in your relationship. Both men and women are bad at it. So some people just always, in fact, it's a common strategy. It used to be mostly women who would do this where they would keep their partner on edge. Um, that keep them feeling a little bit insecure so that they could maintain the upper hand in a relationship. Used to be mainly women. And now what's happening is a lot of men are being taught to do this. Like I know Rollo Tomasi talks about this with his spinning plates concept, which is basically 
Keep your partner a little insecure. Always make them feel like you could jump away from the relationship at any time and, and, and date someone else. And if you do that, you'll always have the upper hand because they'll feel insecure and you'll feel more confident because you've always got options. If you do that, the, 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 if either party does that, your relationship will be screwed. So you can't be playing mental games with each other, emotional games. I hate the concept of try, either party trying to keep the other one off center. Really emotionally unhealthy. That's an, an avoidant attachment style, which I get to very next. But yeah, you can't be doing that stuff. You've got to cut that out and learn to have a healthy relationship that doesn't rely on manipulative tactics to keep it together. Fourthly, if either of you, if either party is in the habit, and I find both men and women equally guilty of this, they're in the habit of trying to stretch truths, right? Or conceal truths like, like lying by omission, all this kind of stuff. If that exists in the relationship, you will be screwed. It doesn't matter which party does it, it's going to come out and it's going to create trouble. You cannot be in this situation. You both have to be 100% okay with brutal honesty, especially around the open relationship. Because the second little things get blurred, little things get not mentioned or brought up because someone's trying to avoid conflict, because someone wants to have what they want and it doesn't matter if their partner doesn't want it, the second you go down that path, you're screwed. Because... Uh, trust in an open relationship is paramount. In fact, trust in an open relationship I, is more important than trust in a closed relationship. So if you can't 100% trust that your partner is telling you everything, if you start to smell a rat, you're going to always, you, it's going to start to become what unravels you both because you'll start to distrust your partner and, and you'll distrust and distrust. You'll become more and more neurotic, more and more distrusting. These things create a lot of havoc in a relationship. The other thing, the fifth thing that creates a huge amount of havoc, and I have personal experience with this, is if one partner is getting into the open relationship because they've got an emotional void to fill. So uh, it's like, you know, we all, most people enjoy drinking. I don't drink alcohol. Most people enjoy drinking, but you notice how some people need to drink in order to be happy. If they don't drink, they feel dissatisfied with their lives, right? It's like it's an emotional need versus just a thing you enjoy doing. If either party in an open relationship is having sex with other people to fill an emotional void. You're screwed. This happened with my partner and I. Um, the first time we tried an open relationship, like uh, when we'd been together for three years, I think, uh, it went horribly, horribly wrong because my partner, so uh, my partner is uh, six years younger than I am. And at that point in her life, I met her when she was 20. So she hadn't had a whole lot of life experience. And she really had this this void in her that she wanted to fill with meeting guys and flirting and, and, and sex and all this stuff. It was a not a thing not just a thing she wanted to do that was enjoyable, but it was like an emotional need. It came from a very unhealthy emotional space, like a drug. So she was turning wanting to turn to sex like a person another person might turn to drugs. And what that is what that creates is it leads to deceptive behavior. And it leads to um it leads to that person pushing the boundaries consistently because boundaries are important in an open relationship. But if one of you is using sex like a drug, they will push the boundaries. They will find ways to cheat the system. They will find ways to manipulate or lie or deceive along the way. It's unavoidable. So yeah, if, if, you, if you feel that way or if you feel like your partner is wanting the open relationship for, um, let's say, not so, such healthy emotional reasons. In other words, they need to deal with some stuff before they start having sex left, right, and center. That's a reason to really step back away from uh, an open relationship for a little while. Lastly, the thing you really need to be thinking about is you absolutely cannot have um, one party in a relationship which has an avoidant attachment style and the other party which has an anxious attachment style. And this is, again, a mistake that my partner and I had in the early days of our relationship 
Basically, attachment styles are where you go when you get insecure, when something gets, you know, there's a lot on the line emotionally. So there's three ways to behave. One is you become anxious, which means you become needy and you constantly try to chase and make sure things are safe. The other way of handling things is avoidance, which is where you basically you cut off emotionally uh, and you go, well, if, if I'm not going to care about this, if I, if I cut off emotion from this, then I don't have to worry about it and give a damn anymore. So you forget your feelings for that situation. Um, and then the, 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 the last one is the healthy attachment style, which is where you don't do either. You, you feel the emotions that you feel insecure, that you could lose something, but you don't go chasing. You feel a sense of safety that things will be okay right? That you can inquire, hey, is everything all right? But you're not needy. You're not trying to rush towards fixing it, right? So it's the healthy space. Now, if you, a lot of relationships have what's called a, um, a, um, an anxious slash avoidant attachment style dynamic. So I had that with my partner. My partner, her whole life growing up, if things got too emotionally difficult, she would cut off, right? Just completely like distance herself emotionally. Me, I would chase after. I was an anxious attachment style guy. So what would happen? Anytime things became emotionally difficult, that would happen. She'd turn away and become emotionally distant. I would start to chase. For the open relationship to work, we both needed to reach a place where we were in a secure attachment style relationship. So we both felt safe in ourselves, nothing to do with the other person. We just both felt a sense of, I will be okay. No matter what happens, no matter how things pan out, I will be okay. I don't want to lose my partner, but it'll be totally fine if I do. But I will do things to try to avoid losing her. I'll take action. I still love her and I still want her, but things will be fine. The world won't end. And once we're both in that space and once my partner can say, hey, I don't want to emotionally detach. That's, a, that's a, 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 I guess, a child's space, a coward's way to respond. I want to stay with the present moment and, and stay with my partner. And if I lose him, I'll feel that pain and I will live through that pain. So once we're both in that space, then we can have a healthy open relationship because when things go wrong if suddenly i feel insecure my partner feels a little insecure and you'll have that in every open relationship if that happens you'll be able to talk about it neither party is going to be running away neither party is going to be getting needy pushing the other person away very important dynamic to have under wraps and if you don't have that again you're screwed so you can see that there are a lot of reasons where an open relationship can be super dangerous for a couple if you're still watching i want to talk about there are a couple of really unexpected benefits that my partner and i experienced with the open relationship so the first one is probably more obvious something you might expect which is we both have started to become a lot more um interested in each other like a lot more noticeably interested in each other sexually again um it's not that we weren't interested in each other sexually before but it's really heightened that again so it's really made us a lot more intimate as a couple and that really is because you suddenly become more attentive to them because you know that they've seeing other people the other things are happening and it just makes you closer as a couple in that way as long as you're not fighting it can really bring you a lot closer and that was seriously interesting for me the other thing that that brought us a lot closer which was fascinating and i did not see coming was that you know normally when i was single and i'd go out and i would sleep with lots of different girls and stuff i wouldn't really talk to many people about it i mean i'd say to my friends hey i, I slept with some chick last night god she was hot blah 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 but it wasn't a real conversation when you go home to a partner and you're having these experiences, whether you're sleeping with someone or have just been a couple of dates with a person, you start to really discuss the inner workings of what you're thinking about them, what they've done, what they did, what it means, what you think, what you want. And you, I've really learned a lot about myself, um, about my tastes in women, about I've realized that there's different ways in which I get turned on by women. Like there are some types of women that turn me on from like a childlike space, like a the young teenager who never got... Um, 
who never got what he wanted with women and, and he likes a certain kind of woman. And then there's the adult me who, who looks for different values in a woman. And there's all these different ways in which I realize that I appreciate women, all these different vantage points inside of me. My partner's noticed something similar in herself. But we've both really come a long way in self-development through dating other people and then discussing it with a partner who knows us really well. I didn't see that happening, but that's been really incredible part of this experience. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people seem to get old once they get married? Like they just seem to get old, like their lives just shrink and they kind of become less virile. The men sort of become less masculine. The women become less feminine. It just becomes this weird kind of mishmash. Being in an open relationship, constantly being in the dating pool, getting to be with other people, it keeps you as a man and a woman much more virile. It keeps you much more sharp and alert and you you focus on yourself and your sexuality and, and you, you stay in good shape and you, I don't know, it really, it keeps you, it keeps me feeling like a man and I, and I believe it, it keeps me feeling younger than I would otherwise feel if I was just with my one partner and it's no shade, no shame on my partner or no shame on me that my partner doesn't feel it with me. You just can't help it, right? You both kind of wind down on that sexual side of your lives to some degree. But keeping it open really keeps you feeling a lot more alive. And that's a really big one. And I think it's why this is really opening, this is really working well for my partner and I and why I think people who have successful open relationships, it really is powerful for them. So today's been a bit of a long rant, right? It's been a long conversation about open relationships, but I wanted to get all this off my chest because I've been thinking about it all. I know it's of interest to anyone who's been thinking about an open relationship. A lot of this is going to be of great interest to you. That's it. And thank you for watching today's podcast. As a high five for taking the time to learn today, you can head over to schoolofattraction.com forward slash personality test to complete our scientifically backed attraction personality test, which will help you uncover the areas you most need to work on based on your personality assessment. Take care and I look forward to bringing you my next podcast.